Go Big or Stay Home, and the acronym is GBOSH, and GBOSH is our rally cry for our business. We sign off phone calls and sign off emails with GBOSH, and this Go Big or Stay Home applies to everything we do, and it really just means get better and never stop improving. So never stop improving our technology, never stop improving our golf lessons, never stop improving how we train our coaches, never stop improving our marketing or whatever it may be, but it permeates through everything we do. But the ultimate goal of this constantly getting better at what we do is our students. And if we always get better, then we're going to continue to improve at helping people improve. And then that shows up in our student success stories. And as long as we keep doing that, we are truly making a difference in golf. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the disruptors, influencers, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Joe Ossel, who is the co-founder and CEO of Golf Tech. So, all right, let me tee this up for you here, Joe. In 1993, a gentleman by the name of Clayton Cole at Cherry Hills Country Club in Denver selected you for an internship while attending the golf management program at Mississippi State University. So let's start with your entrepreneurial journey there, Joe, and please share with our listeners what unfolded after that. Well, thanks, Colin. Really appreciate you having me today and happy to talk about golf tech and, and where we're going and where we've been. And as you mentioned, it really started in 1993. I was a student in the professional golf management program at Mississippi State University. And as part of the requirements to graduate from that program, three different internships are required in the golf industry, most often at a golf course, but you can do them at, at other places as well. And I was fortunate as I was looking to do my third and final internship, I went to the internship office and asked for the list of the best golf courses available to Mississippi State students. And Cherry Hills in Denver was the highest rated course on the Golf Digest Top 100 list available to Mississippi State students for internships. And many uh, of my fellow classmates were interested in going there as well. I applied and was fortunate that Clayton Cole, the head professional, chose me to be his intern for that summer. And that began my relationship with Clayton, which began the golf tech journey. Amazing. So from there, can we talk what happened then? You guys went down into the basement of the country club, the clubhouse, I should say. There was a bit of a laboratory going on that Clayton was a mad scientist. So what did you find down there? Well, sure. Well, this is now 1994 and there was this thing called a computer that was starting to you know, come about in our lives and, and become more every day. And Clayton had this idea to use a computer to improve golf instruction. And it had really never been done much in the past. And people were starting to use big ball video cameras, but no data and no measurement. And he found this golf instruction system that was being made at the time by a medical company and really used for motion measurement and gait analysis and rehab. And it was modified to measure a golf swing. And he put one in the basement of Cherry Hills for the members to try it. And that year, 1994, the members really liked this computer and they really liked having their swings analyzed on it. And Clayton really had the entrepreneurial idea to see what would happen if we opened it to everyone in Denver. And Cherry Hills is a very private club and there's no way it could be done at Cherry Hills. So his idea was a couple miles from the club, there was a little strip mall. And what if we rented a space in there and opened access to this computer to all the golfers in Denver? And that began what is today is now Golf Tech. Now, if I understand, originally the company was called Driving Obsession. Is that correct? That was the first brand iteration of Golf Tech? It was. For our first year, we were called, or maybe two years, we were called Driving Obsession. And as we started to gain scale and the people were pouring through our doors, we decided we should maybe work on a more of a marketable name. And after a lot of work, came up with Golf Tech. 
Now, is that so? I mean, I'm very interested in branding. I come from a graphics background also, and I have seen that the graphics that you came up with and the name 20 years later, it's pretty much the same and it's really quite strong. So, you tell us a bit about the process there as far as the kind of the rebranding to get to Golf Tech and the logo and how that came about. Sure. We started working on the name. We really had a lot of focus on what is still today our mission statement, which is to help people play better golf. It's a very simple mission statement, but it's the core of what we do. And as long as people get better, we will have a successful business. And if people aren't improving, we're going to struggle. And so that's always been our focus. So the name came about as we started talking about the things you need to play your best golf. And we had a lot of different words and names, but it came around these three themes that became the TEC in golf tech. Most people think that it's because we use technology that we have the name Golf Tech. And there's kind of a double benefit. But the heart of our name and the reason the TEC are always a different color, often all caps and in bold, is because they stand for the three things every golfer needs to play their best. So the T is your technique. It's how you swing, how you chip, how you putt, how you hit a bunker shot, how you hit a driver. It's your golf swing and your golf technique. And that's the T and that's our main business. And we're number one in the world in golf instruction and in the T. The E is your golf equipment. So you need the best equipment possible to maximize the benefits of your tee, of your swing. You could have a great golf swing, but if you're trying to play with a club that's way too long or way too short or a shaft that doesn't match your swing, you're not going to get the benefits out of your swing. So we want to make sure everyone has properly fit equipment and not just properly fit, but the right set makeup and the right golf clubs for them. And it also goes to other pieces of equipment to help you shoot a lower score, such as maybe a laser rangefinder, so you know the yardage, things like that. And it's our job to help people play better golf and to do that you need the right equipment. And then the C stands for your conditioning. So this is your body. This is your strength, your flexibility, maybe your mental approach, maybe your vision, maybe even your nutrition on the golf course, but your body has to be performing optimally as well. And you see this is very prevalent today among the tour players. 20 years ago when we started, it wasn't as prevalent. So maybe we had a little foresight there, but we felt to shoot the lowest scores possible, your body has to cooperate. You need great equipment and you need a great swing. And if we deliver all those, we'll help you play better golf. And that became the genesis of our name. And as you mentioned, it still works wonderful today and and stays true uh, today. It is relevant today. I did not realize that the tech was an acronym for your mission statement. So just learned something new today. So uh, so thanks for well, that. The, so we're not so good at promoting that. We need to be better, but it is the core of what we do. And any golf tech coach who works for us will be able to tell you the, the genesis of our name and the things that we believe in to help you play your best. You should, because that's a great story that resonates there. And, and that will always stay relevant without question. So, hey, let's move forward a couple of years here. So one thing I'm very interested in as being an entrepreneur myself and being involved in startup culture here. So is it fair to say that when you started in 94 and then 95 and got this thing going, that it's almost like you were an accidental entrepreneur in the sense that you managed to get onto something here and test it. And this is obviously before the internet was really taking off. That was back in the day when I was using Apple computers, they were still beige. And if you wanted to get on the internet, you had to dial up on a 56K modem. So uh, you guys yes. <laughs> really weren't able to quite see the future yet, but obviously you had this vision, but even more so, you talked about the validation that you had in Denver there, the fact that people are just pouring in there. And I believe the first year you had $95,000 in sales, if that's correct, around that number there? or That's correct. Yes. Uh, So customer validation was obviously there. So from my understanding, you then, after things were working out very nicely and kind of refining that model there in Denver, you then expanded for your second training facility in Chicago. 
Is that correct? That's correct. I'll tell you a couple funny stories. So when Clayton had the idea to move it to the strip mall, he asked me if I wanted to run it and I would be the only employee. So I would be the head bathroom cleaner and the head of tech support and the head of accounting and also the golf instructor. And I told him no, like four times. I I didn't think anybody would want to take a lesson indoors on a computer. And as we talked through it, it really became the greatest opportunity in my life. And I, I went and we opened the first location and had some very early success in Denver. People were really pouring through our doors and we decided to try to go to another city. And uh, my partner at the time, Mike Clinton, who was a co-founder with me, who joined a few months later, he and I were both from the Midwest. So we decided to open one in the Chicago area and open our first location there in 1997. And the same thing, we were really fortunate. We had early success, many golfers coming through the doors right from the beginning and built great traction, great volume. And I'll tell you a funny story. You mentioned the internet and the dial-up connections. All we had was an AOL email account back then, and we did not have a website. And when we would invent a new way to do something, the only way to get the actual document between Denver and Chicago is we would save it to a floppy disk and mail it (laughs) because you could not attach documents at the time. And so we would mail floppy disks back and forth to get, as we were trying to build this business, as one of us would innovate something new, that's how we would share it back and forth. And that just gives you a little technology time warp of how far the world has come in, in 22 years. That's awesome. So you open up a second one in Chicago. You guys obviously realize that you're onto something here. I want to look at this almost like you're putting a pitch deck together in your mind almost 20 years later here. So tell us a little bit about if you were pitching golf tech right now, what would be the secret sauce and your barriers to entry to your competition? I have a pretty good idea what a couple of those are, but can you tell us what are really the secret powers that make golf tech what it is? Absolutely. There's there's a few things that make golf tech the size and skill that we are today. The first is we have really cutting edge technology and we have an entire technology department. We have a 12-person software development business that we own that the only thing they do every day is make golf tech technology better. They don't work for anybody else and we're constantly improving. We're currently in the middle of launching a brand new camera. We think it's the best camera in the world for indoor golf instruction. It was specifically built just for us and our needs, and it's really an outstanding camera, and along with it comes new software for better swing analysis. And so I think part of it is staying really cutting-edge technology, not just good technology, but really knowing how to use the technology. The next piece is we definitely have the best golf instructor training program in the world. We call it Golf Tech University or GTU for short. And any golf instructor who comes to work for us, it doesn't matter what your past credentials are. You have to attend Golf Tech University and pass our testing and our final exam to be certified to work in a golf tech training center. And many people who have taught tens of thousands of lessons previously in their career, when they come to Golf Tech University, University tell us that you know they learn more at GTU than they they ever knew about the golf swing in their entire career teaching 20 25,000 lessons and it's really enlightening for people the research and the data that we have and the, the way we teach and then the third really benefit is because of those first two we, we're really good at what we do which has led to scale. So now that we have scale, we have great brand building opportunities. We can do a lot of marketing, have a lot of economies of scale in the infrastructure and the corporate support that we're able to provide. And we can really operate on a, on a much grander level in everything we do. And, and you roll those together, it really is proving to be a great mix. And at the end of the day, the most important thing is our customers have to get better. And as long as people keep improving, which they do, we continue to grow and we continue to have success. And it's really due to the combination of our well-trained coaches with our cutting edge technology. 
There's the pitch for Golf Tech right there. I guess one of the other things I've looked at, I've heard you mention this uh, in some interviews. One of the other aspects I've heard you talk about too is also your strategic decisions for choosing locations and the convenience of that of being very urban also. It sounds like that's very deliberate on your part. And I, I can speak for myself here in Vancouver in Canada. I've got a Golf Tech lesson on Friday actually, and it's only a eight minute drive from my house here. So it's nice and convenient. Is that true? You can say there, Joe, that strategically you guys are very uh, deliberate of where you choose to put your locations? Yes, absolutely. That's a, another of the call the next tier down of cutting edge advantages that we have in that we only need 2,000 or 3,000 square feet. And we are very specific in finding areas that are convenient, which usually means near office buildings and where our executive customers are during the day. And they can fit it in in the middle of their day, kind of like getting a haircut. It's just part of your day. It's not on the weekend or at after work. And we stay really busy when we're right at your fingertips and very convenient. And that's a big part of our success. And unfortunately, you can't build a golf course in the middle of office buildings, but you can find 2,000 square feet to be right there in the heart of where your customers are for most of their life. Yes, 2,000 square feet as compared to 70 acres. Yeah, there's some good return on investment definitely per square foot. (laughs) So you spoke earlier about scale. And just so our listeners really understand where you are now, you have over 200 locations in six countries now. Is that correct? That is correct. Primarily in the United States, we have 175 in the U.S., but we are growing throughout Canada. We have 17 in Canada right now. And then we are also in South Korea, Japan, Hong Kong, and Singapore, and really having great success throughout Asia right now. Nice. Now, now, as you scale, so you touched on your ability to scale here once you've figured out all the components and what the customer really wanted to find that product market fit there. An example I like to look at is about 10 years ago when Starbucks was in crisis as their aggressive global expansion heavily compromised the quality of their product. So CEO Howard Schultz confronted this problem by getting back to basics, by closing every store during the day for two hours to retrain the entire workforce and how to create that perfect shot of espresso. So my question to you here, Joe, is you touched on golf tech university, but how do you reconcile expanding the business while ensuring the consistently high quality customer and client experience? That's a good question. We spend a lot of time and energy on our quality control and on our training. So we every month, a couple times a month, we have ongoing webinars for all of our coaches to attend on specific topics to help continue with the training. Uh, once a year, we get everybody together. So we just did this. We had uh, all 200 of our managers come to Denver for uh, two days each for advanced uh, training on different topics. We also get out in the field and visit all of our centers a minimum of a couple times a year to check in on all the coaches and observe and spend time with them. And then the last thing we do is we are able to review the lessons that we are giving. So every golf lesson we give is put online and our students can then go on and review your lesson as many times as you like. And you can review it when you go to the driving range. You can on your phone, check your last lesson to just get a refresher. Well, here in Denver, we can watch all of those lessons as well. And we've actually written software to scan every day's lessons for certain minimum requirements and minimum level of quality. And every day, our teaching quality department receives a report of any lessons given the day before that for one reason or another may have not met our standards. And so we have continual algorithms built to manage the quality of our lessons, and then we're able to attend to any issues. So there are a lot of systems. We have basically the five brightest PGA pros of all 700 of our system work here at headquarters, and their job is to teach and train and support all the other coaches that work for us and really manage the quality of our product. So it's a big investment for us and it's a big commitment to ongoing training and quality assurance moving forward. 
Nice. I was just on the Golf Talk website yesterday looking at my swing. Last lesson I took, I have to admit, was a few months ago. Definitely the quality of the instruction and even the video that you have is great. I will question the quality of my golf swing, though. We'll work on that. So yeah, please don't judge me on that. I haven't haven't played too much this year, so uh, there's my excuse. But hopefully on Friday, that'll continue to move forward in a very positive way. So with that, you touched on culture here, too, and getting everybody together. There is a lot of effort and expense to do that, but it sounds that really wraps around why you do what you do and your why. I don't know if you're familiar with Simon Sinek, who's had a couple of very influential talks, and one of the ones that he's had that's been very popular as a TED Talk is called The Power of Why, and that is what a culture and a business is. It's not what we do, but why we do it. And I can really hear just resonating from you, your why that everybody rallies around is we have the ability to actually improve everybody's game here so they can have more fun and grow the game of golf. Is it fair to say that is really what gets you out of bed in the morning? Absolutely. As we've discussed, you know, we've given 7 million golf lessons and our mission statement is so simple. It's to help people play better golf. And that's what we live for every day. And it's interesting in the, the culture and the why we have a culture here at our headquarters that, that permeates throughout our system. It's called Go Big or Stay Home. And the acronym is GBOSH. And GBOSH is our rally cry for our business. We sign off phone calls and sign off emails with GBOSH. And this Go Big or Stay Home applies to everything we do. And it really just means get better and never stop improving. So never stop improving our technology, never stop improving our golf lessons, never stop improving how we train our coaches, never stop improving our marketing or whatever it may be, but it permeates through everything we do. But the ultimate goal of this constantly getting better at what we do is our students. And if we always get better, then we're going to continue to improve at helping people improve. And then that shows up in our students' success stories. We survey our students every year. We just flat out ask them, did you get better? Did you improve this year? And the average response of all of our students is that they've improved by seven strokes per year. And it's just what they're telling us, the the results that they're seeing. And as long as we keep doing that, we are truly making a difference in golf. G-Bosh. I like it. I think you just gave me the name for our podcast episode right there. I don't have to stay up late at night to come up with something clever. You just came up with it for me there. So thank you for that. You can tick that box off right there. So it's interesting you talked there, Joe, about deepening the relationship and the connectivity with your client base. I wanted to talk about that a little bit here. I can see you're creating a community around many initiatives, including Golf Tech Scramble. Can you tell us a bit about that and how that came about to create that and really what the mandate is there for Golf Tech Scramble? Absolutely. Golf Tech Scramble is our blog and we have so many smart people in our business and in our office and all these great ideas that we needed a channel to get this content out to all of our students. And whether it be tips or drills or interesting golf news or different articles or stories that we're producing, we have an in-house content department that their list of ideas and really interesting things is, is endless. And we came up with the Scramble as the platform to distribute all this information and all these great stories and content to our customers. There's there's human interest stories in there and and success of our students and great stories from our students. But then there are also world-leading golf instruction tips and, and ideas and stories in there. I've even seen a couple of your videos called Cup of Joe there that are quite informative. I quite, quite like those. Thank you. Those are fun to do. Yeah, I bet they are. So take it a step further. I really like what companies like GoPro have done and the way they've expanded their success at a grassroots level by encouraging user-generated content. You probably know with companies like GoPro, whereas they have people in contests to send in the videos they've created and the ones that win end up being on their ads that millions of people see. So for them, very little cost of doing that and a real deep engagement for their fan base and their, their customer base. Do you have that through social media at all? Are you finding that you're having your clients now 
now sharing their own golf tech stories with video? Is that happening yet? We do. We see clients sharing their good and their bad with their friends and on, on social media and tweeting about when they go to golf tech. And then we also see we've created this hashtag why we do it, which is what our coaches share among each other and how they celebrate why we do it. We do it to help people play better golf. And as we have student successes, our coaches post all these great success stories to why we do it. And it's fun to see literally every day people coming in and a, a junior player won a tournament or a, a, another student won their club championship or somebody broke 80 for the first time or broke 100 for the first time and the true outpouring of appreciation for their golf tech coach for the success that they're having. People will cut and paste texts that they receive from their students and, and we have this great collection coming together of all these student successes that really often channels through our coaches and then to us. Right. And back in the early days, I understand that the greatest marketing tool that you had was word of mouth with satisfied customers telling their friends and family and expanding that way. Are you finding that with social media, harnessing that power with the success stories of your clients? Is that social media word of mouth? Is that working out to get more clients in the door? Absolutely. So social media is a big part of our overall messaging these days, and it drives just the golf tech buzz in general and people talking about us through all social channels. And then it brings people through our doors. I will tell you, even today, about 40% of every new customer who comes to us for their first time was a referral. And our existing students are improving and they're loving it. And they either go beat all their friends or they tell their friends about us. And then their friends come walking in and we still have an incredibly thriving referral base for our business. 40%. That, that is amazing. And that hearing a number like that informs me that the level of trust that you've cultivated with your brand and the product and, and the experience that you offer and the consistency of that over the years is amazing. So congratulations on that because that is not easy to do. And it sounds like you're earning trust every day as you go here with not only your clients, but also the next thing I wanted to talk about. And that's also with the partners that you have, including the PGA to help spur growth and propel you forward here. So can you tell us a bit about the partnerships you've developed over the years and what that perhaps you can tell us about that you're cultivating for the future. Sure. So the PGA is a great partner of ours. We are one of the largest, maybe the largest employer of PGA professionals in America and, and in the world. And we have a tight alignment and great relationship with them. We need to continue to hire people. We'll hire about 150 coaches this year. And having this great relationship with the PGA ensures a fluid pipeline of candidates coming to work for us. And it's a two-way street. We are helping them with some of their educational content and providing employment opportunities. And it's been just a great relationship. The people at PJ headquarters are fantastic to work with and they've been a great partner for us. We also do a lot with the Golf Channel and coming in 2018, you will see golf tech coaches on the Golf Channel more and more and, and us working with them on content, both on live TV and in uh, other social media channels with the Golf Channel. Good stuff. So on the Mod Golf Podcast, we love to explore the future of the game. So I want to get your thoughts on growth of the game with women and youth and young adults here. And, and perhaps you can tell us as far as the data that you have over the last few years, is that trending upwards as far as the number of women, youth and young adults that are coming to golf tech and also beginner golfers? I'd love to hear if you've got people that have walked through the door that have never swung a golf club before. So yeah, tell us a bit about that. Sure. So our female population is about 15% of our lessons and it's holding pretty steady. And I wish I could tell you it was increasing, but it's really holding pretty steady. Where we do see it growing is in some centers where we have great success with female students who then they go out and they tell all their friends and they come in and we can have a certain center where it might be 40 or 50% female, but our average across our system really has not changed as much. And I would love to see that move the needle. 
We do have a lot of kids coming in. We offer a 30% discount for juniors. And as they start to mature in their game and, and get better and start to move beyond the group kid lessons at the local golf course and really crave one-on-one instruction to take their game to another level is when we see them starting to show up at Golf Tech. And we have more and more kids starting to come through our doors, which is really exciting. And we're having great success. We teach a lot of high school golf teams and we have students of ours who are winning state championships and playing really well and getting college scholarships. Definitely the junior movement within our business is exciting. And honestly, I think there's another opportunity in the senior golfer category as the baby boomers are hitting retirement and they're losing some distance. We can help them with the TE and the C in the technique, equipment and conditioning that they need to maintain their distance and keep enjoying golf for years and years ahead. Well, it sounds like it's fair to say that your satisfied customers are your greatest brand ambassadors that you have here you know, across all demographics, age, gender. Sounds like they're the ones that are really helping you and continue to do so. So one of the interesting things you touched on earlier there, Joe, was about the culture of constantly innovating within golf tech. And you talked about that on the on the technology side. I'd like to hear your thoughts also as far as the bricks and mortar that you have. It sounds like you have about 2,000 square feet for each one of your training facilities. Are you constantly evolving the experience within golf tech and playing around with different iterations or test kitchens of what the future golf tech facility could look like? We are. And I would say there's really three big things we're doing there. First, we have completely overhauled the experience, the colors, the look, the feel, the environment, the furniture. And really, we want to create this modern, awesome place where people want to come, they want to hang out, they want to stay for a while. And about a year and a half ago, we began this design work on the golf tech of the future. And we've been building them this new way for probably about a year now. We've got about 40 open and we're going to remodel our entire portfolio into this new, cool, cutting edge environment that we've come up with is is one. The second and probably the biggest is we are completely changing how we fit golf clubs to be much more component-based. And as you know, just five years ago, all golf clubs were glued together and now they come interchangeable. And that has allowed us to have hundreds of shafts. Our standard uh, is now 410 shafts and about 200 heads from our prime OEM partners. And the uh, interchangeability of these heads and shafts allows us to really dial in the best golf club for our students to help them perform the best. And to do that, we've changed our center environment. We're building what we call the shaft wall now. And as opposed to just only the little fitting cart from a certain vendor, we have all of these shafts right on the wall at our club fitters' fingertips and the heads. And it's a cool visual environment. It looks awesome. And it really provides ease of use for our fitters. And that has been a big innovation that we tested over the summer. We are now rolling it out worldwide here over the fall and spring and hope to be at 100% by April or May next year as well. And then the the last piece is we're starting to build some more golf techs at golf courses as we expand out of some of the urban core areas where we have great presence and moving to the suburbs a little bit. We are building some buildings uh, on golf courses, which is allowing us to do exactly what we do at an indoor facility, but have the option to roll up a garage door and hit to the range as well. Uh, But if the weather's bad, we can keep the garage door closed. And so we're moving to some golf courses. We kind of have a standard building footprint that we're building. And really those three things have us just continuing to evolve the experience and what happens when you come to a golf deck and the environment that, that you're in. Well, I can't wait till they do the renovation of the one here that I go to in Vancouver. It's great as it is, but I'm sure you're going to be expanding that one also. So it sounds like you're also expanding your business model and your service offering there with the club fitting that you're providing and also creating an environment for that stickiness so people will stick around even longer. 
It is. It's that we want it to be a place where they don't mind hanging out. We have golf techs where our customers come in the morning and have their coffee and read the paper at golf tech before heading into their office. They just want to hang with our coaches and be at golf tech. And that's the environment we want. The golf channel morning drive is on and people like spending time at a golf tech and it's a place they want to be. And then you have all these chefs at your fingertips and a great putting green. You can work on your putting and just the overall in-center environment is very important to our brand and, and our customer experience. All right. So why don't we finish up here, Joe? I know you probably got to get back to do everything you just told me there. It sounds like you have a very hectic schedule, so I won't take up too much more of your time here. So one question I'd like to ask here, and I'd like to hear it as far as your thoughts with golf tech and, and also golf in general. So pull out your crystal ball here and give me your thoughts of where golf will be in 5, 10, 20 years from now and also golf tech. You have been 20 years into it already. Let's hear where you think perhaps golf tech could be 20 years from now. What are your thoughts? Sure. It's so hard to see the future. I'll tell you, a few years ago, we tried to have this conversation and it really spurred some of our current innovation. So trying to just see five years into the future, we determined it being very self-critical, we needed to improve our environment, which came to this new design. We needed to improve how we sell clubs, which is this shaft wall. We needed to improve our technology, which are these new cameras that we're rolling out. And so a lot of these things we're currently doing came from this kind of a discussion five years ago. And as I, as I look forward, everything is going into your phone. Everybody lives on their phone. You can book airline tickets. You can do your banking. You can do almost anything on your phone. And we have to be prepared for uh, more and more aspects of golf to come to your phone. Maybe it's instruction. Maybe it's just your game tracking. Maybe it's something we haven't ever thought about. And then I think with the millennial group coming along, we need to be more fun and leisure and entertainment focused and a little less serious. So I think you're going to see golf courses and golf tech continue to adapt to be as much about fun as anything in this great environment and just your casual and social time being very important in everyone's lives. Good stuff. So I just want to drill down on one final aspect of this. You've probably been following the emergence of virtual reality and augmented reality, mixed reality, and they haven't quite figured out how to apply this yet. Some of it's a bit gimmicky. Some of it's a bit quirky. Do you see any potential in that down the road of embedding augmented reality into the training experience with golf tech? Possibly. We've dabbled in that a little bit and we've done a few things over the years. And the problem is the student has a very hard time translating it. They need to actually feel and see what they need to do when you try to overlay your swing on someone else's at full speed hitting the golf ball. It's, it's very hard. And I, I think nobody knows exactly where all that technology and how it's going to develop going forward. I know it's going to continue to get better and we have our eye on where it's going and what is next. But I think actually hitting a golf ball and putting it into action is going to be harder. Gotcha. And it sounds like you've embraced the same idea on this, that don't take a solution that's looking for a problem if you don't have one there. And it's, it sounds like that could be the case with this. You guys already have this dialed for the most part. And it sounds like back in 1995 there with Drive-In Obsession, you actually created something that was solving a problem. So hey, before I let you go here, can you please tell our listeners, our mod golfers here, where they can find out more information about golf tech? You can go to golftech.com. And as we discussed in our name, it's G-O-L-F-T-E-C.com. There's no H on the end because the T-E-C stands for Technique, Equipment, and Conditioning. And at golftech.com, you can find all of our locations all over the world where you can come to work on your golf game. Excellent. So I will have the opportunity of seeing you, Joe, in a couple months' time at the PGA Show in Orlando. The Hope, I know we're still working out some details right now, but we're hoping to have you as one of the five panelists on the Golf Disruptors panel that I will be moderating and creating through Mod Golf, That'd be great. Uh, the podcast here. 
look forward to seeing you there. And if any of our listeners happen to be at the PGA show and are part of the educational series, please come by and listen to what Joe and four other amazing disruptors and influencers have to say about the future of golf. So Joe Ossel, the co-founder and CEO of Golf Tech, thank you very much for your time today, Joe. Really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll talk again very soon. Colin, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be on your show. So I mentioned earlier on the podcast that I would be taking a lesson at my local golf tech, which I am standing at right now. And I am with the head teaching professional and regional manager for golf tech. And I'm at the Vancouver Terminal Avenue location here. And I'm here with Norman Boffeld, who has been teaching me for a couple years now. He's had to endure my mediocre golf swing. So Norman, welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast today. Colin, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So Norman, uh, I did tell you earlier that I did speak with Joe Ossel, your boss, I guess your boss's boss really, about all the innovations and what Golf Tech has been doing for over 20 years and continues to innovate and without sounding like an infomercial for Golf Tech. I'm extremely impressed with what Joe has done and, and the culture they have created. And I've known you well enough to realize you encapsulate that culture. and You're passionate about teaching each individual and about really the why of what Golf Tech represents. And that is getting their students to play better golf. So Norman, let's start with that. Can you tell me how you got involved in golf tech and what your background is in golf? Sure. I came to golf. Uh, I grew up playing, started the game when I was nine years old. Uh, my dad played, got me into the game and not a lot of tournament experience, anything like that. Just junior golf until I left university and the game went away a little bit and I started skiing. And actually it was after the first ski season where I sort of pulled the audience and said, what are you guys doing this summer? One of the last gentlemen was a golf pro. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Okay. Like that, that sounds good. That's how I got into golf. Really did the golf management. I'd done some university golf management degree that way. And then uh, my wife was getting transferred out to Vancouver. So we came out here and that's how I got introduced to Golf Tech. It was fledgling. This was the first center in Vancouver. And uh, I met Lyndon Harvey, our owner and our CEO of Golf Tech Canada, Dean Larson. And yeah, I was impressed with their business acumen, where they wanted to go, their ambition with the company. And that's where it all started with Golf Tech. Nice. So I realize there are 17 locations in Canada now, and you're the regional manager for four of them in the lower mainland here, which is Greater Vancouver, where we all live. So let's tie this together with Joe Ossel. Can you tell me a Joe Ossel story? You've, you were just down there a few weeks ago, I believe, in Denver there with all the managers. Can you tell me about that experience and your connectivity with Joe? Yeah, I've gotten to meet Joe a few times. And actually this last fall, they had our regional managers down and I had the pleasure of sitting with them at dinner. A dinner that he had, there's about 24 of us and he had us hosted at his house. And so he was the leader of our company, very inspirational and we get updates and things like that from him. But to be able to sit there and talk to him face to face, very personable. And to see someone who's grown this company immensely, but still shares that like you talked about it for me, but that baseline passion, he feels and I see it and we believe it that we're actually helping people play better golf. It's a game we love. We love this game. That's why we're in it. And we want to share that. We want other people to enjoy it at whatever level that is for them. So just to see that sort of humble nature and even his, his son was there and wanted some attention and wanted to get in on this dinner. And he just very wonderfully, this one's not your time. This is for these guys. And he's taken that passion and vision and he's disseminated that through the ranks. And I think, you know, from us, the regional managers down to the center manager level and then into our coaches, that's what we love to see is just that engagement that it's not, hey, here's your lesson. Okay, see you later. It's how are you doing? How are you doing as a person? How's this game helping you 
Are you enjoying it? This is a, a lot of times a vehicle for people to enjoy their recreation time, whether that be with their spouse or their friends, their retirement. And it's, it's a game of a lifetime. Well, thank goodness it is because it may take me a lifetime to actually get half decent at this game. And you've been very patient with me over the last couple of years. So I have spent quite a bit of time on this podcast talking about golf tech, but now I'm going to get a little bit selfish. I got to talk about me a little bit. So I wanted you to tell our listeners, our mod golfers here of how fantastic of a golf swing I have. No, let's actually, well, you can if you want, but I know that may be a bit of a lie. But could you relate for our listeners just where I am in golf? You know, I'm about an 18 handicap, kind of stuck there right now. The, the good and the bad of my golf swing. Go ahead. You can, you can be as harsh as you want to be here, Norm. So you're probably very typical of a golf tech player. And in that sense, there is probably way more in your swing that is really good and decent. So we look at, just from the lesson today, your ability to stay very centered while you turn in the backswing, which allows you to get to the lead side and gives you a better opportunity to make that ball first contact. And that was our focus. Really, today's lesson was nothing new. The real core message was, hey, Colin, just make sure this you exaggerate this piece and better things will happen. So we look at, if it was a, a sculptor, certainly we've done all the heavy lifting and we have sort of the sandpaper out now. We're cleaning things up from a swing standpoint. So the swing looks good, but our next objective and goal will be to make sure that that swing is translating from club to club and then to be able to take that outside and that's where we drop the score. So it's not just about making a pretty swing that's really effective, but then taking that skill and being able to adapt to those variations outside in the grass, in the lies, making good decisions, right? Just even course management and things like that. So that's where that's where you and I will have to continue along the path, but I, I know that we'll get there. And I look forward for that journey because I do love this game. It does frustrate me, of course, as we talked about earlier, that I'm living that sad irony of being now in the golf industry that I played the least amount of golf this year that I have in the last 20. So 2018, that's why I'm making an early New Year's resolution here, Norman, and you're actually here to, to witness this. And I ha have this here on audio that I will make a point of playing more golf. So all of you uh, golf partners I have out there in the industry. So if you want to invite someone else out to play golf that you'll probably be guaranteed to beat, you can put me up for a free round of golf next time I'm in your neighborhood. So there you go. There's a plug for myself. Hey, Norman, let's wrap it up here. Thanks again for the lesson today. And thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. I'm a strong supporter of what you've done here. And you guys with Golf Tech here in Vancouver have been a supporter of what we have done through our other golf initiatives over the last couple of years. And you've really stepped up and the charitable component that we've been involved with. And I really thank you for that. And I look forward to continued relationship with you guys here. Thank you, Colin. Again, very most welcome. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to seeing where we can take it. So that's a wrap for this week's episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Golf Tech co-founder and CEO Joe Ossel and Vancouver head teaching pro Norman Boffeld. To learn more about the inspirational story of Golf Tech, have a look at our show notes where we've included links to Joe and Norman's bios, the Golf Tech website, and their social media feeds. To hear more engaging conversations with the influencers and innovators who are boldly shaping the future of golf, go to our episodes page at modgolf.fireside.fm where you'll find a diverse range of passionate people sharing their entrepreneurial and innovation stories. And please go to iTunes to comment on and rate the show to help us continually improve the Mod Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Weston. You can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Mod Golf Podcast. Please join me next time when I speak with a golf entrepreneur at the early stage of his startup journey, John Standing, who is the creator of Indoor Golf Arena. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.